0: What is bodies are kept in a fridge, fully naked, in a plastic wrap, with a tag on the toe. Oh, there's no electricity. It's dark in here. You want to get in? It is dark. Can I open? It's dark here near electricity. It's dark. It's cold. You can just jump in once, two steps and come back. Let, let me hold this.
1: Uh,
0: okay?
1: Yeah, okay. Is it cold? It's cold. Yeah. Whew.
0: We have warmed them. I yeah. think there is no bad smell. The bad smell is coming from this one who is uh, nearly, nearly, fully decomposed.
1: How many are
0: there? I don't know now, but roughly I think there are about 30 something. This French has got a loading capacity of 150. I am an undertaker because I take people underground. The
1: Unearthed The odd, the odd, the curious And the unusual I met Mr. Dunga a while back on a mission to find and interview a grave digger in Gogoletu. It's a township about 15 kilometers outside of Cape Town CBD, and I think there are about 100,000 people living there. And after circling the very large cemetery that spans a block or two, we spotted a sign on one of the houses, Dunga Funeral Home, and we took a chance and we pulled into the small driveway. Mr. Dungar, an undertaker, runs his business from home, and he welcomed us into his space with open arms. This piece is a collection of moments and thoughts that he shared with us, giving us a sense of his work, his history, and his reality. Mr. Dunga works in a hard and traumatic world. He deals not only with death every day, but death as a consequence of often difficult situations, as a consequence of poverty and desperation. His history is a complex one. He's a former MK soldier, That's in the armed wing of the ANC created in the struggle to fight for freedom. He lost two brothers in those bad old days, and he never thought he'd be an undertaker. This is not the last you'll hear from Mr. Dunga, as we will take him up on his invitation to sit with him at his father's kraal in the Eastern Cape and to ask him, who are you? But for now, here's an idea of what it means to spend your days with death.
0: In the South African trend is People just take care of you whilst you're alive. After you've died, they don't care of you. So, to me, if I've got to embalm a body, the first thing that comes to me, this is a human being, the only difference between myself and this person is that he is not breathing. I am breathing. He is dead. He is traveling the path that I will also travel. And there's no way to escape. That's all i'm haunted by the grieving people more than the bodies themselves the reason why i built this small office here it was because people were entering inside the house at dead of night crying throwing themselves on my couches and all that and my wife as a teacher could not sleep sometimes so i built this small office i am doing the business because people are dying AIDS. The major killer, diabetes, is killing so many people in my country. And then there's a problem of violence, especially during weekends. It's rare that you don't get a body of violent death on Monday or Tuesday. Young people, it's so bad. I am dealing with dead people on a daily basis, not on a weekly basis. According to the municipality, there are not enough grave spaces. They have told us that we must try to educate people to get used to cremation, to get used to burying people standing, and to get used to burying people on top of the others. Traditionally, we are people who, who who want to bury their deceased and visit their graves. Now, the question of cremation is new to us. It means education. Educating the people about the needs to cremate, where, why people should be cremated, saving the land and all that. To be honest, it's a hell of a lot of bodies going away. If you can on on a Friday, from five pm, stand at Engine Garage on the N one, before you get to power, and see the quantum's pulling trailers. All those condoms are contained in bodies. There is no dignity, no respect, but there's no alternative.
1: How do you keep them, for lack of a better word, fresh? If you know what I mean? How do you...?
0: Embalming. Embalming is, in short, the preservation of the body, the stuffing of the body, so that it does not get decay in the process of maybe going away to the Eastern Cape or wherever. I remember the first time when I was doing practicals on embalming, there were five bodies which were burnt in Kailisha, in the place called Taiwan. And Dr. Vandenberg told me to embalm a man. You must know that if a body is, is, is burnt, it might be only two feet high instead of one comma something meters. So I embalmed this body. And uh, I told him that I'm finished, I was so sweating. He said, have you finished? I said, yes, sir. Did you embalm a man? Yes, sir. Okay, let's see. But this is not a man you have embalmed. Remember, embalming does not take less than 45 minutes. sir. First time. I said, I think it's a man. He said, no. With a man, there's a difference. So I had to embalm another body. He showed me the the marks of a man. How do you differentiate a man from a woman? Even if the man is bent or a woman is bent, or both of them. When I grew up, I was told that there were ghosts and all those things. I've never seen a ghost at the motor. I sometimes stay there the whole night. I've never seen a ghost or a zombie, something like that. It's something that I hear here in the township. And when I go to the rural areas, there's too much talk about that. But I've never, ever seen it.
1: Never felt, felt it.
0: Sometimes you dream somebody coming to you, especially the bodies that are there for a long time, coming to you. When will you bury me? When will you bury me? Then you wake up, then I shout back, Fuck, you don't belong to me. You must go to a family. Only to find out it's a message. The family is coming today. In most cases, it happens like that. So people, who, even if they are dead, they still talk. The Bible says so.
1: Have you ever had any weird experiences with bodies? Like if they've moved or someone hasn't been
0: dead? Dead. Yes. I think it's three times. One, I, I, I won't tell the way I took the body. I took it to the clinic for certification and the doctor certified the body dead. And I took it to the mortuary. When I came in the morning, the body, you know, the body should be stretched inside the fridge. And the body was not stretched and it was on its side. Bodies must lie on their backs, but this one was on its side when you came in the morning. And it was shaking. The first thing we did was to run away, but we came back and checked. And then we switched on three heaters to the maximum heat available. And we took the old lady to the room, small room, called viewing room. And then we phoned the family. There was a mixed reaction from the family. I wouldn't like to say that, but it was a mixed reaction. And, uh, but the lady later on died. She died at the marshal. This is a mortuary. And this is a mortuary. And this is ours. In one place. And all of them are always full. Let's go. Good day! It's opening. This is a showroom for the coffins. That's where they choose whether they want this one or that one, whichever. This is a viewing room. This is a viewing room where people see their bodies. The smell is going to change because we are now nearing the fridge. After they're finished, wash their hands and leave. The body is not supposed to be outside the fridge. If it's going to the fridge again, more than an hour or two, because otherwise it's going to melt and have spots like a chicken piece. Whatever is happening in the chicken piece, you must know that's exactly what is happening in a human body.
1: Are you a vegetarian?
0: No, <laughs> what? Vegetarian? Oh my god, have you ever seen a vegetarian with such a big stomach? It's <laughs> uh,
1: So, where do you do the embalming? Is it in here?
0: Yeah, there. That's the table. It takes water down to the drain. blood comes out, down to the drain. You fill the body with the liquid. Try, try and push the blood out, which in most cases is, is not fully there. This is embalming liquid for malin. These are pumps. You first close the chair. And then you pump, 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 pump. And then you press this and lock it. Put a needle on the other pipe. Put it in the artery, here or here. When it's about to finish, you're going to see the fingers going like this on the dead body. If they were like this, you're going to see them stretching in out like this. Then the the embalming is there, in the toes as well. And then here you see the the veins showing themselves, which means that it is also here. That means the embalming is there, and the lips getting thick. And please stop it before they get too much thick, because you won't make them smaller. No, it does not change. No, if, if it's like that, down to the earth, You see, embalming a human being, it it takes a lot of time, a lot of liquid, a lot of human resource, and some people need not to be embalmed. Like the natural cases, there's no need for a natural case to be embalmed. But with this electricity, which goes on holiday, time in and time out, (laughs) you better embalm, otherwise the place will smell.
1: You're not frightened of death, are you?
0: I am frightened of death, I'm a human being. But what type of fright are you talking about? When death happens outside there, I see it. I'm frightened, of course. But when they are here, I shouldn't be frightened. You must develop passion. Once you develop passion, and once you regard to these people as human beings who are not breathing, then you'll be able to work with them. It is quite traumatic, indeed. And moreover, it is traumatic because you don't know when when may you contract a disease, if you have not contracted it yet, you see, these bodies come, here sealed sometimes, sealed by doctors. Sealing them means that they are dangerous. And we open them and we do whatever, preparing for the families to see them nice, beautiful, making makeups on dead bodies. I am frightened, but it is my job.
1: There's Mr. Mandela, Mr. Nelson Mandela, a free man taking his first steps into a new South Africa. 72 years old.
0: I started in 1995, after we attained our freedom. I would approved of it from my father down. They don't even like it much even now, but because there's money involved. It is originally not my career. Now when ups and downs come, that mind comes back, hey, this is not my career. But let me face it, I've got no alternative. I'm 61 years now. There's no turning back. I like law. I wanted to be an advocate because our country did not have laws. That's the first and foremost thing. And it needed defense lawyers for our people. Not only black. No. Because whites were also in a dilemma. They could not go this side or this side. Get it? They needed defense so that everybody is equal. That was my dream. I've got a very nasty history. My brother passed away. He was shot. Were you
1: shot him?
0: Well, it's obvious, South African police. Why are you shooting him? I'm testing this rifle. It's not a joke. It sounds like me. It is not a joke. And I lost a brother. My mother used to sell meat in a stall in Langa. That meat is going to be sold to make money so that I go to school. Oh, my dad was just an ordinary worker with no education at all. But he always tells us that I want you to be educated and not to be like me. I don't want you to be a modern slave. I want you to be educated. My name, the closer name is Begisa, which means refer to. Begisa, B E K I S A. I was born in 1954 on the 3rd of April, not according to the ID. The ID says 31st July. During the days of apartheid, you will laugh at it. If you are in front of myself and we are all going for the IDs, they will say to you, lift your hand and touch the other ear on the other side. If you touch it, you are just like the other one in front of yourself, who was born in 1954. So all of you were born in 1954, they just write "Don't pass. that's the former ID, 1954. And your date? He does not wait for you to tell him the date. now, always. And if you say to your parent, daddy, That man has written a wrong Hey! Keep quiet! It was was bad. Let's not go back to it. Some of the history matters you don't even want to recall or talk about. Because I never thought I would ever, ever be an undertaker. It's the only business that I wouldn't like to leave for my children to, to carry on. It has got a lot of trauma. Every time when I pray, I pray for three things. One is love for God and the people. That God give me strength so that I can deal with people, whoever comes in front of myself. Two, save my soul, keep it next to yourself. Three, I want success in whatever I do on earth. Those are three things that I request from God.
1: If you like what you heard and you want to connect with us, visit unearthedpodcasts.com. This piece was produced by myself, Kim Winter and Tim Pringle.